0: What's up, Gravel Family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel.
1: We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season.
0: We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family
1: all right what's up gravel family i'm jason i'm sophia and we are back for another episode of the gravel family podcast going to be a great episode today we have a local legend so just preempting that and before we jump in though registration for gravel worlds 2023 is going to open up on friday october 7th at 9 a.m central
0: and this time it'll be all genders all categories open at the same time last year we did just the women but this year it is all categories all genders
1: yep and we're going to do everything we can to keep registration open as long as we can but still go ahead and get in there as quick as you can, so you can be a part of the best gravel family reunion this side of the Mississippi and the other side of the Mississippi, too. In the whole world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, we're going to bring in a absolute local legend here to Lincoln. He is a two-time back-to-back gravel world's champion and was the second runner-up. He got second this year. Also, only the second person in front of the person that got first this year to break the seven-hour mark at Gravel Worlds, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, got second at Barry Roubaix this year, third at RPI, Rebecca's Private Idaho in 2021, fourth at Belgium Waffle Ride in 2021. And for the entire 2021 season, he was the fifth uh, overall ranking for men in the pure gravel rankings. He has stage wins on the road side of things at the Vuelta Indipensia. And we cannot forget—he is the 2003 Nebraska Geography B champion.
0: That's the most important. part. That's arc. the
1: most important one. Welcome to the podcast, John Borstelman. Thanks, Jason. It's great <laughs> to be here. <laughs> so we got—we got to add in there. Why? Why did we highlight the Geography B?
2: <laughs> Oh, last year before Gravel Worlds, before the pro panel, you, you asked me for my career highlights and, uh, that, that was just one of those things that came to mind. That's right. Seemed relevant.
1: Um, He he challenged me. Are you going to put this on or not? And I put it on our website, the highlights for the pro panel. And they actually read it when they introduced you like at the panel. And I, I think like the person, the panelist was like what why is that on there it's like uh, somebody from garmin i think was doing the panel he's like 2003 (laughs) nebraska geography B champion okay what (laughs) so that was pretty awesome uh but yeah so you are from lincoln welcome home for a temporary time so what uh what's it like being home after being traveling all the time racing your
2: bike oh it's it's good i mean i just just got home last night actually uh, so so, I haven't, I haven't really gotten to settle in much I Already already got my dentist appointment in So that's why you know gotta take care of the medical stuff While, while I'm back in the land of my uh, my my former doctors and dentists and stuff. <laughs> Gotta get so, it done yeah. So
1: where, like, how much time do you spend at home for, Like in Lincoln versus on the road? Like you gotta be gone way more than your home
2: Yeah, well I, I have uh, an apartment In San Luis Obispo, California That I I rent for most of the off season and this, this year I subleased it from June through the end of October. Um, so really I'm, I've this summer, the beginning of June was unbound. And then I went right up to the mountains to start doing altitude training for the, like the Leadville steamboat, uh, Rebecca's the mountain, the mountain John Yeah. So, I mean, I was only in, in Lincoln for a few days on either side of gravel worlds and, uh, but now I will be back. Um, I think until Big Sugar, which is October twenty-second. So a got- couple. Got a few weeks. I'm
1: sure your parents are excited to see you a little bit.
2: Yeah, they are for now. They'll They'll be ready to (laughs) kick you out again. Yeah, exactly. In a few weeks, when every morsel of food in the house has been annihilated, (laughs) (laughs) they they, they might be rethinking their feelings. I do always get a little bummed when you're in town because
1: it's like, well, I'm probably going to lose a KOM this week, like when you're back. (laughs)
2: Because it's like, that's how it usually goes.
1: If I get the only way I get them is if I have like a 30 mile an hour tailwind. So, but yeah that's how the best the best of us actually do it
2: i i should be mostly on uh road, road bike at least for the next few weeks my uh hit the shoulder pretty hard at schwamigan so i'm going to try to stay to the stay off the gravel for a little while at least hit those so hit might, the trainer in saved. the paved roads all right yeah yeah all hopefully right. no trainer hopefully i can manage the <laughs> the, the the asphalt at least you so you
1: so. you yeah you are not a fan of the trainer then
2: no well I didn't used to mind it and then I like I got really serious about racing and started training all winter long here in Lincoln uh which involves mostly time on the trainer so I was doing like 15 hours a week like on the trainer I did that for like three years um and so now yeah every time when I look at a trainer I I mean occasionally I can handle it for up to like an hour or two but anytime i have to i'm supposed to do like intervals or any sort of a hard workout i want nothing to do with that trainer i'd rather go ride outside when it's 15 degrees that's um, so you do which also sucks yeah but, yeah i was gonna that's, say that that really sucks that's, that's why i moved to california <laughs> 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 it's like three you get the, training in nebraska i'm done <laughs> and you're like
1: really close to the coast there so you probably get like the crazy hills and stuff like you can just do hill repeats and everything out there right
2: yeah, yeah, I can. Um actually a lot of my my training is like mo- mostly supposed to be on flat roads just so you can I'm interval really and stuff sure. better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I have better control over my cadence. Um you know, use the momentum and the get better leg speed and all that stuff. So, mo- I mostly train on the the coast highway out there, which is really nice. Um but I can there's there's hills, there's gravel, there's a ton of great mountain bike trails too so there's it's a ton of, of like high
1: level cyclists out there too yeah. like do you ride with quite a few like pros and stuff out there a lot it seems like that are in that area at least
2: uh yeah they're Chris levens and and lance Hyde both live in slow and they're they're really you know top level pros but um our schedules don't seem to overlap that much i mean occasionally i'll get to ride with those guys but i've got a few of my my road teammates live there too more on like the cat one road racing level um but otherwise it's a it's actually a pretty smallish cycling community i mean the, the town of slow is only about 50,000 people gotcha um, so it's smaller like quite a bit smaller than lincoln
1: then that's like grand island size that's
2: yeah the, it feels a little bigger because there's uh, the the surrounding towns kind of add up to a you know an area that's a similar population to, to lancaster county or so gotcha cool um, yeah Well, we got to
1: talk about getting into racing because that all, most of that started right here in Lincoln. I remember like cyclocross. I would go and I was on a gravel bike because I didn't have anything else. And like you would go race like the four, five race and lap everybody. And then you do like the one, two, three race and lap everybody Uh like on the Cat three. So that was. Like I remember you first like on cyclocross before anything else.
0: When cross was uh, still here in Nebraska. R.I.P. to Nebraska. Yeah, cyclocross. A moment of silence for
2: cyc yeah. for yeah. cyclocross. Well, I you know I never actually got an upgrade, a category upgrade in cyclocross, so I'm still a cat four uh, cross race. Technically, technically well you dec- yeah, you would I, race. I've never. Or- I'm not terrible across. So, I I've, the the last cross race that I really tried hard at like six years ago or whatever. I think I felt like six times it was up, in o- <laughs> up in Omaha. It was, it was wet and I had some like some gravel tires on. and just...
0: You just throw your bike and you're yeah. like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> yeah,
2: basically. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I was like, I'll do uh, any 150 mile gravel race. Sounds great. Let's do that. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and then um, you're so okay.
1: So you did some cyclocross, but then like you got into gravel here in Lincoln, right?
2: Yeah. Um, Wasn't
1: was Gravel Worlds your first gravel race,
2: uh, or was, one of the first? One of the first. That was the, that was the second one. The first one I did was the the Jack okay. I don't know if you ever heard of that? It was it's like, not around uh, anymore. I don't you know, think is it. No, they. I think it changed. I'm not sure who's that. Pell Pell Duval. I think was the guy who put it on. Got it was it. like up in Omaha. It Started in Blair. Okay. It was like 130 miles of like with like 40 miles of dirt and MMR roads. Oh brutal! And, and I did it in, in 2017. It was like pouring rain not pouring but it was raining steadily the whole day uh and and it ended up taking i won with a time like right around like 10 hours and 15 minutes um ouch and there were three people who finished that day Se- the second place guy was on a single speed and, and came in about 15 minutes behind me.
0: There's nothing that builds so, confidence yeah. more than like your first race and you win it. Even though they were only through the finish, you still won. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Technically. We got to <laughs> add that. All right,
1: We got to re-record the intro.
2: One. <laughs> yeah, Omaha, 2017 Omaha Jackrabbit. That's right. That
1: is that the same guy that did the East versus West, like the Omaha versus Lincoln race? that happened like one time. I feel like it was the same guy. I have no that idea. That was a really fun race. If we do that, we need to bring him back cuz it was really cool. It was like it was like west of the Platte River or east of the Platte River and it was like a combined like you got points based on how you finish. So the more people, it was actually really cool. And that does sound so bad. Omaha won the one and only, but that was a really fun race and it was like it was only like 60 miles or something. So it was kind of a it might not even have been that far, but that was a really. I think it might have been the same guy. If not, that was a fun race too. We need to bring that one back. Yeah,
0: yeah. if you're out there listening, bring it back.
1: Yeah, bring that East first West back. And it was always in the. It was in the always in the fall. The one time that they did it, but <laughs> uh, okay. So second race then was Gravel Worlds, and I think it was on like a borrowed bike, right?
2: Yeah, I actually demoed a, a Lauf for that race, and so I was like up all night the night before, um, getting it set up, and I, I was actually five minutes late to the start. Oh, <laughs> so, so I was riding through. I like got to the start just as like the last people were rolling out out of like you know however many hundreds there were there that year. So, so you didn't uh, yeah, win.
1: So, you didn't win your first year then.
2: <laughs> no, but I almost got third. Um, we took a. I was in a group, Colin Strickland and Matt Stevens were up the road and it was me and Tim Mitchell coming into that last roundabout. I didn't have the course loaded on my GPS. I have like a long history of like <laughs> navigational errors in gravel racing. Um, uh, Tim Mitchell started to sprint into the roundabout and he kind of oh, came this. around on the inside, but he kept going around the roundabout instead of taking the first exit towards the finish. And Josh Barry was behind us, um, and we had enough time to get to the finish ahead of him until we missed the turn. And oh, so no. instead of <laughs> so, by the time we turned around, like got back, uh, headed towards the finish, Josh had passed us. So. I remember that. So, so you got like fourth, fourth. Yeah,
1: I remember that because Corey was like, Corey's <laughs> so like, did they just, are, did they just go the wrong way? I'm pretty sure that's like third and fourth right there. <laughs> and they, yep. Boop. So Josh Berry got podium that one,
0: but you got the climbers yeah. jersey that year, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was
2: that, that, was, that cool. was the first really cool. Was
1: that the first year? Yeah, would have been the first year. Oh yeah. yeah. So he's an RG climber jersey. What do you think about yeah. us changing it to uh, like a time segment instead of just like first one there this year?
2: I I think that's cool. I think that makes a lot of sense. You I
1: think um, you got like third overall. Like you were pretty close up there. I think Eno no, ended probably. up Eno end up winning it yeah. by. It. it was like. It had to have just been like calculation because it was everybody was so close and it like Eno won by like a hundredth of a second kind of thing. So, yeah,
0: and then he was actually second. John was second, did John yeah. get so? Yeah.
1: yeah, man, if you would have just sprinted well, a little good. bit harder, man, you would have had yeah. a jer- another jersey.
2: But <laughs> it's okay, I'm glad Eno won it. He, he deserves it. Uh, Eno's awesome, Eno's legit, dude.
1: Shout out to Eno because he uh volunteered at every like every day that he was here at Gravel Worlds. He like volunteered with check-in and then I think he got fourth overall or no.
2: Uh, I think
1: something like that. I think he was top five.
2: Yeah. If you don't include the tandem, I think he was probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man.
1: Don't, don't bring that (laughs) drama in here. (laughs) Like I've never, we've, I've never, Corey and I, and like the team have never had more of like a feverish debate on race day of like heated of like, Mm -hmm. are they on the podium? Are they not on the podium? And we ended up like not because how it's worded was men's podium, and so we're like, if it was a man and a woman, like would we be arguing this type thing? But uh, it Definitely was, that was tough. Put a but, wrench in things. Uh, it was fun though because that it was. Let's. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because reading the race like highlights from everybody, like it was crazy what that tandem did to the front group because it was wild amount yeah. of power that they were putting out. Uh, so yeah. yeah, what was it like following a tandem for a hundred and I mean, you were with them till like the end, pretty much.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Like, till about fifteen miles to go.
1: Yeah. So like, I like, what was it like? Because in my head, it's like, ah, oh, it's just another bike, but it completely changed like how downhills worked and uphills. Like, it changed everything at that front group. But what was it like having so? To go back a little bit, these guys that were on tandem, they got third overall for like the entire weekend and it these two guys are like they chase like world championships in tandems like they just go around the world they're uci world championships they came to gravel worlds to get another world championship and like they were destroying it all day <laughs> so like we were the whole day at the finish line we're like what do we do if they win what do we do if they podium like what do we do so anyway they got third overall they won their the tandem podium and they were got their world championships jersey and then we did fifth overall or like our top five for men too. Dude, completely very crazy, confusing. yeah, very confusing. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're talking about. So yeah, what was it like having like world cl- two world class athletes on one bike at the front of the race? Right. What was it?
2: What changed like in that race? Uh, yeah, I, and the biggest thing was that that they just kept the pace rolling so strongly on the the downhills. Uh, I mean, that's, which I loved because that's, I'm, you know, that's your as, style. A, as a, as a larger rider, quote unquote, um, the, I, that's how I've found you need to race in order to go the fastest on the because gravel you get... seas of Nebraska, because you need to, you need the momentum. It's so much, you know, you'll get over the hill so much easier if you have momentum going into the bottom. Whereas like the traditional road racing strategy in a a hilly environment is to, um, push it hard going up the hill because the draft doesn't matter as much. And you can, you know, the, the playing fields more level if you're at the front and then kind of soft pedal the downhill and then hit it hard again on the next hill. Um, but the, the tandem strategy is like literally the opposite. Like there were, they were hurting on the uphills, um, but they would, go so fast on the downhills that they could just motor and just roll all day long. So I, think, I, I was like absolutely loving it. I was having a blast. <laughs> and you wrote something on
0: Instagram about Stetna's like viewpoint on it, right? Like, cause and you Stetna's, guys were just right. joking about it the whole time. Like what is happening? And Stetna's <laughs> right. the
1: opposite cause he's a really small guy. So he loves the hills Yeah. and like the downhills aren't like as much as thing. And like, I think that's where he ended, ended up eventually cracking. Didn't he say he cracked on a downhill?
2: yeah i think it was on it was a, the tandem was pulling uh on a, into a headwind on like a downhill and they just accelerated enough that he got popped off that was like mile 130
1: yeah like he got um, dropped on a downhill.
2: that's yeah. what like
1: this it did it was wild and like i think chase work said the same thing like he was like he was like yeah i was trying to stay in their wheel like pushing 400 watts downhill and i couldn't keep in their wheel like that's wild that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) insane so like were you seeing that too just like insane watts just to stay on their wheel going downhill
2: yeah i mean it doesn't take as much for me to get onto their wheel going downhill as it does for chase or pete because i've got more weight like not even you know i mean i probably weigh 40 pounds more than pete does wow Uh, so like that's like a big difference yeah that's a huge difference when you're trying to accelerate down a hill yep um, but and so that's now, what he was
1: talking about like yeah. it's opposite like it's opposite like I, and with me too like i didn't even think of that until like reading all these post-race reports where like everybody was like it was like opposite day where like hills didn't matter and downhills
2: did <laughs> like right, yeah, it was right. cool It was so cool they and th- those guys also had a really they're like pretty for cyclists they're they're definitely like you know classics riders they're not like climbers yeah oh, tra- sure. track cyclists is their primary discipline um, so, so they're they're relatively big for cyclists and they have this their tandem was just like the beefiest looking <laughs> metal bike it looked, i mean it was i think it was aluminum but it was like the brand was like dura steel or something like it was like just some, they had a full frame bag with like six velcro straps and apparently they had a full like they had a front derailleur and a rear derailleur in there like a full chain like so these these dudes are hauling a lot of weight yeah (laughs) Yes, and they'd never done a gravel race before, and the only wow. the only one they'd probably ever heard stories about was Unbound, where where you know all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff happens to people's bikes. So, uh, yeah, That's so hilarious. They, they were um yeah they were hauling some pounds out there. Uh, and so so and Pete's like you know doesn't weigh anything like not wearing a camelback. They both had two, they each had camelbacks on too, the tandem riders. So
1: <laughs> probably two liter yeah. camelbacks with all these bottles and. A whole bike shop in there
2: yeah yeah so i mean so their bike the two of them and their bike was probably like well over 350 pounds wow <laughs> it's like pete and his bike and all his gear doesn't even weigh 150 oh so, i'm sure not so, no and Plus, like i mean the the amount of power that those guys can do for like a short period of time with all their track experience was really impressive yeah
1: because they i think they got like Attract world champ. Like, oh, and they're the only other person ever that's gone sub four to Ashton Lambie, which is wild that they that was kind of cool to see them like me because that's like a Mm -hmm. very, very unique club that only three <laughs> yeah. people are in <laughs>
0: right. no one else can claim that title
1: <laughs> yeah and they got world like under sub four for a kilometer on the track that from standstill which is crazy so and
2: they're, they're paracyclists too did you know that yeah because he's tristan's visually impaired so yeah. he, he can the only way he can ride is on a tandem
1: which is super um, cool like that they've so, they've gone around yeah. doing that and that's like
0: it just uh, adds to the whole just scenario yeah
1: like post gravel worlds Corey and i have talked and it's like i wish we had like a week to decide what we wanted to do because the more we've learned like the crazier their story is and everything so they're they're why i mean they could have won the para category they could have won they did win tandem they could have won the overall which if they would have won overall like we would have like changed the rule because like that's never going to happen again like that's completely unless like maybe that's gonna break the gravel privateer like way things look and it's like right. just too. i two think ones. at
0: unbound right there was a tandem that won overall one they year. got second oh, Okay, or,
1: they, they did win overall but they didn't give them the overall like in the records i think that was like 2012 and actually we pulled christy moan over like we had a hall of fame board <laughs> meeting like we had four, What's I think here I think we had like four Hall of Famers because Bobby Wendell came over Christy Moan Corey Godfrey was there maybe was there another one no those. it was those, but like we're like alright what do we do and like everybody had a different opinion <laughs> like okay what did Unbound do what did it like so that was crazy anyway we should probably get on <laughs> so uh, how did you get into like road racing and gravel like we talked about how you got into gravel and like how did that and you still do both now. How does that all work?
2: Yeah, I just kind of have to pick and choose the the road races that I want to do. Since I've I've sort of been focusing more on gravel. That's sort of the you know the the main uh, meat of my season is is you know the the gravel monuments, as it were.
0: Does your team um, play into that a lot? Because you're with Team Abus right now, correct? Yeah, yep. So I'm sure they dictate a lot of the races that you go. Not dictate, but you know they recommend like, hey, go to this race.
2: Yeah, so so the big ones this year were I mean even without the team I I would have gone to a very similar calendar. Um but but yeah, Barry Roubaix and Mid South, um Belgian Waffle Ride, Unbound, uh Crusher in the Tusher, which also was the lifetime doing the lifetime Grand Prix this year too, so that you know, that, that was six big races that I had to um block time out for. Um, Rebecca's private Idaho gravel worlds, um, and yeah, big sugar. Cause you race for Volet on the
1: on the roadside, right? So you're Team Avis for gravel, and then Volay factory racing for road.
2: For road, yeah. Um, and and this year, I, I sort of, have, you know, made a deal with the manager that I I would really only do a partial calendar, trying to do a couple of the big stage races, like the one in the Dominican that we mentioned, and then. We did uh, Redlands too in April. Okay, cool. Um, trying to get one in in the fall, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And you did? But, so it's really just those two races were the only ones I did with my road team this year. And you did
1: the big race down in Arkansas last year, like the week after Gravel Worlds, right? Yeah, Joe Martin. Yeah, Joe Martin, and that had been rescheduled for because of COVID. So I right. that I confused me hugely as a promoter because I was like, everybody's like, "Yeah, I got to go to Joe Martin, got to go to Joe." I'm like that's not the week after gravel worlds. Like what's going on? Like, why is everybody talking about this? So
2: yeah, it's usually like the first week in April.
1: Yeah. It's like um, spring, early spring. It's like one of the big first road races. So road versus gravel as like racing yourself. Like, what do you prefer?
2: I don't know that's a good question <laughs> I like gravel worlds a lot <laughs> that's like that's still like my favorite course uh, so the, the rolling hills are just perfect I'll take that All right, all day long very good it. answer there's for, something to be
0: um, said about like growing up on these roads and like training on those roads and then you go somewhere else and you're like there's no place like Nebraska
2: <laughs> <laughs> right there is no place like Nebraska
1: it's also, it also fits the type of course fits you in your like style because you're like a really good mash out power as long as you can and outlast you the last survivor kind of thing so that's kind of your style and your that our course really suits that right not a lot of technical stuff not but and you can just outpower who's who's left so and that's Mm -hmm. how you've kind of how lasted the in 2019 and 2021 and we're really close in this year with with uh with adam robert's just pulling off because you i think you made a Navigation turn
2: or mistake, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just put in a big effort. Like we we got to that last checkpoint. Adam didn't stop. The rest of us had to fill up, uh, and that's when. So it was Pete and the tandem and me, between mile one thirty to to one thirty five. We dropped Pete, and then we got close enough to Adam that I was able to like bridge across on a hill. And the tandem was just kind of dying on the hills at that point. They just like couldn't get them up up them as fast. I mean, their overall speed was still good because they are still crushing the downhills. Uh, but I'd, like, just put in that big effort to get up to Adam. And then, like, I'm, like, focused on, like, trying to drink, trying to eat, trying not to cramp. And then, like, a mile and a half later, there was a left turn. Uh, and, and I just – it was on a steep downhill, and I just blew right by it. Oh, no. Um, had to, like, slam, <laughs> and that was slam on the brakes. Oh, and, oh, and Adam – I mean, Adam said – I think he mentioned, like – he was like trying to tell me to turn left and i just yeah, i wasn't listening or oh so he was behind or, you at was, that point he was behind me yeah oh shoot he was right on my wheel yeah
1: oh man i didn't really see like we the front uh media coverage came back because like they didn't know how much time they had to get the finish and so we didn't see any of that and so it's like i didn't realize oh, no. you had actually bridged the gap to them so that's so that's wild so you were there
2: i was there yeah and this was still 16 miles to go
1: so a lot could happen but yeah i mean, I mean then you we, were... it would
2: have been pretty much a stalemate at that point because i think adam had been you you was definitely on on the fritz
1: yeah you I you um, both and then you were because then you only you only lost by like 12 seconds so like it was right there yeah so if you it, that's crazy I, I was
2: looking at my gps date afterwards i think i lost about 20 seconds or so with my little Having to turn around and then crank back up the hill. Yeah. Um, So, like, how does that? (laughs) It it was like, right. I think I would have, if I hadn't made that wrong turn, I think the two of us would have been together until the finish and it probably would have been a sprint.
1: What, uh, how do you, like, cause that happens in racing, like mistakes happen. Like, how do you mentally, like, block that out of, like, (laughs) God, could have won, should have won, or, but like, and there's all kinds of things like that. Like, That it could have been something else. Like it could have been, I don't know, flat with a mile left type thing, you know, but how, so how
2: do you like mentally handle that as a pro? Well, yeah, I mean, I've had so many like crashes and mechanicals and flat tires that have taken me out of contention of so many races that I thought I had a chance of winning. Um, so it's just like
0: that's just kind of part of it yeah (laughs) it really
2: it's a real bummer when it happens at a like a big race especially this one when it's like the you know we dropped all the other contenders it was down to the two of us um i mean i definitely without without that wrong turn i wasn't guaranteed to win yeah but but i would have had my my odds were probably 50 50 at that point yeah um so yeah it's 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 a bummer (laughs) <laughs> Just try not to think about it too much, I guess. <laughs> like, we'll be back here it, next year. It, yeah, use it as motivation for next time. You know. Yeah,
0: coming back for So if you get a third win, you will tie with Allison Tetrick for the most winningest person ever at Gravel Worlds.
2: Yeah, yeah, select company with <laughs> Allie Tetrick. And maybe <laughs> Paige cool. Redman. Yeah, Paige with the next three hundred she
0: comes back for the 300. Yeah, she's oh, she's,
1: she's crushing on the ultra side of stuff, which is... Yeah, when are we going to see you doing that? We saw Matt Stevens switch to the 300. When are you going 300?
0: <laughs> He's shaking know. his head like, nope. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't... That That's still, like, a little, you know, beyond just racing overnight. It just uh, uh, That's just the idea of that is just not attractive to me. At <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once, <laughs> like i'm like not competitive in the the gravels like the 200 mile 100 to 200 mile scene anymore well man even the 300 though second
1: and third place came down to a sprint this year so it's it's just like that's it's every level of racing is next next level that's for sure
2: (laughs) yeah
0: so how did you end up finding team abis slash ventum right it's a kind of a Duo team right now.
2: Yeah, a- Avis is the the title sponsor of the team okay. this year. They have been this year and last year, but but okay. Ven- Ventum um, supplies the bicycles, gotcha. which is very important um, <laughs> for a, for, a bike, <laughs> for a bike racing team. Yeah, uh, I actually they I met Bob Cummings, the the team manager and owner at Gravel Worlds in uh, 2018. Um, so Matt, I mean, I'd ridden with Matt Stevens, who was their you know their team leader basically at that point i'd ridden with him at joe martin actually that spring and then again in the breakaway at uh or not well not in the breakaway he wasn't in the breakaway with me in 2018 but he he was aware of me um in that race so i think he mentioned it to bob and then bob uh introduced himself to me after the race um then they yeah they basically offered me uh uh guest ride at at the race that uh bob puts on down in kansas the hondo yep um and so i went went and uh, won that one barely that was also an epic day on the bike um and and then they offered me a spot on the team after that cool so, awesome. so, so that's so you've been riding now. with
1: them for four years that's crazy yeah
2: yeah it's, it's time uh, flies man time does fly <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's been a good four years though it's been a good run how many uh,
0: people are currently on the team right now
2: uh let's see so it's myself mark and nathan sprat uh uh reed foster so four four elite guys and then we've got um abby shallak brisky page Onweller, and emma grant so three elite women and then scott moniger and and mike marchand are sort of You know, our sort of masters ambassadors, I guess, if you will. Maybe don't tell Scott I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, if you're listening to this, he didn't just say that. (laughs) But I mean, those guys are, you know, in their 50s. So, 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 yeah, but they still, they crush their, yeah, they're in their age group. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and, uh, Marshawn's a legend in the gravel community too. Like, just mm -hmm. all around great human. So,
2: yeah, I love Mike Marshawn. He won the original Gravel Worlds, I think.
1: I he in, believe in, that is correct. I know he's won. Yeah. Was it the first year or 2011?
0: It was either first year or 2011. We'll have to look back, and
2: we're we're Googling. Yeah, I'm Da-da-da-da-da. I'm pretty sure it was the the inaugural Gravel Worlds that he won, or back when it was the. Or was it Good, the Good Life Gravel? Good Life, Grave? Life Gravel. Nope, he won the first year, 2010,
1: with a time of 8:51. Time has come down a little bit.
0: It sure has, almost two hours.
2: He was probably out there by himself. Literally the whole day. This was the like Rainier 30, 30, 33 mil cross tires with <laughs> tubes. <in it>. So <laughs> I don't envy him at all. No, he earned that slot Yeah, he yeah. absolutely. There's did. a guy sure he just as much as we do. There's a
1: guy that he's done gravel worlds almost every year, and he rides it on the first bike that he did it on, which is like yeah, road. Like it's an old road bike with. Yeah, maybe 32 C-tire, like, road tires on it. Oh, that's brutal. No, no, definitely not. Uh, you have been racing the Lifetime Grand Prix, which had added mountain biking into the mix. How's how's the Grand Prix been going?
2: You know, not not really as well as I'd hoped. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, my best result so far was Unbound, where I was 15th, 14th overall, and 10th in the Lifetime standing, so... Um, the mountain biking ones have been really hard like uh sea otter had a fair amount of technical stuff and just a crazy sprint at the beginning and i just that's just not my my jam really so um that didn't go great and then leadville even though i spent a ton of time at altitude trying to get ready for it that's just it was just too much for me i just didn't have the power that i should have had on the climbs and um still finished in a decent time maybe I would have been top 20 in a year where there wasn't the grand prix elite field present um, and then Schwam again on Saturday I crashed super hard 8 miles in and uh pulled so, the pin went to So the gravels
1: you prefer gravel <laughs> over mountain biking
2: <laughs> um <laughs> I well racing yes I prefer gravel racing over mountain bike racing a hundred percent I don't know if I I think I'd be fine if I never raced my mountain bike again I do have really come to enjoy mountain biking as an activity it's super fun, at a slower I, pace like or yeah yeah well I like to go fast but not have to like push the limit on every corner yeah. to feel like I which is what it feels like I need to do to keep up with these guys different type of power and fitness that you need it seems like.
0: Let's rewind a bit and explain what the Lifetime Grand Prix is because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who don't know what it is so can you explain that?
2: Yeah it's a a race series of six of the um, sort of most well-known mountain bike and and gravel endurance events in the country that um, 30 men and 30 women were selected to participate in and uh, it's a points-based series and there's a a big prize payout for the the overall um the overall top finishers
0: gotcha so is it just the top male top female or is it top five like how does that
2: go it's uh it's the top 10 actually get paid out uh really good even it's like twenty-five thousand for first place and and like six thousand dollars for 10th place wow so it's it's uh they they're definitely trying to to um throw some financial support towards the athletes which is really cool how have you felt me and you just (laughs) (laughs) like uh messed up pretty bad at like half the races and so i feel like if it would have been just
1: gravel you would have been pretty good
2: i I would hope so yeah yeah like
1: i I feel like your gravel finishes have been better than your mountain bike ones
2: Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an understatement. My shoulder would agree with (laughs) you. Yeah, my shoulder's not loving it. Do you want to see see more
1: like series like that? Maybe not with mountain bike, but like uh, a series that are across the entire season? Or do you do you like the one day?
2: I just wish there was better prize money at the one-day races. I mean, there's already sort of an established calendar of like the best you know, the most prestigious quote unquote yeah. ha- half dozen gravel races. Um, and I, I just kind of wish there was like a, yeah, like a deeper prize payout because they're so popular and it seems like there's a ton of media attention at all those. And so, so, I mean, that's what lifetime trying to do. And they're, you know, trying to make, make like a really official standing to see like, Oh, this person is the best gravel racer. And yeah that's how that works but i I wish it was a little i i think before the grand prix there was already like i mean pure gravel was doing their gravel rankings but this the most special thing about gravel is that every race is different you know significantly different like road races have their different terrain but with gravel there's just so many more factors that everything's different so it's kind of cool to see like you know just to kind of people who are really familiar with the race courses to see who's the best on which kind of terrain Um, and not have it, not have to have it be tabulated by points or like, you know, it's just kind of better to, I just like the idea of just, you know, everybody going out and doing their best and then we can all discuss it have it be more organic. But
0: What's been your favorite race from the Lifetime Grand Prix this year?
2: Unbound for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good day out there. It was nice. It was like in the fifties and sixties all day. And even though it was wet, like the, did you avoid the rain? No, no, absolutely not. No, everybody got caught in the rain, but in I, yeah, yeah, I got through, I think there were two muddy sections. Um, and the first one I got through before it was like catastrophically awful. So I was able to ride through that one fast. And I know like a lot of the lead women got, that was around mile 120 or mile yep. 130. And a lot of the lead women got, caught in that like walking their bikes and everything um so yeah if i'd gotten caught in that maybe i i would have felt differently and I, I did have to fall i did fall three times <laughs> in, the, in, the, in a one mile section of mud at like mile 170 which is just full on peanut butter and there were a ton of the the hundred mile racers just like trudging through it you know oh, like so, all so, over the road. Up. so it's like yeah. one narrow lane and there's like all these people and the two you know tire tire <laughs> tracks or whatever and trying to like change lanes through this just it was massive funny yeah. mud mountain it was it was brutal i talked to
0: lauren dc after the race and she goes well that was my first cross race i'd ever done
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it yeah. was so rutted out yeah yeah she was not happy about that that's not her definitely not her specialty yeah so, that
0: course was pretty crazy
2: that day but it was fast it was wicked fast for the top guys. Well, because did like you break 10 hours? Year, did you break 10 hours this yeah, year? Yeah, it was like 9 40. Yeah, think and like I think 10
1: breaking 10 hours was like prestigious. Only, and
2: the only person who'd ever done it was Colin Strickland. Yeah, like one, once only a, once. A, yeah, and, and in then, 2019, not even 2021, nobody broke 10.
1: And it was like the top 25 or something were in yeah. the, were under 10 hours, which is insane. And I, that's why like after, it was literally after Unbound that that happened, I was like, they're breaking seven hours at gravel worlds this year. Like it's going to happen. And yeah, two people, you and Radham were right under six, fifty nine something. Thanks to the tandem. Thanks. Yeah, that's true. Like pulling them. But I mean, it's, and like we had perfect weather this year, low winds, like amazing temps. So yeah, I don't, it'll be tough. It'll be interesting if seven hours gets broken again. Cause that's that's a huge, and then even at Unbound, we'll see. I know that the hitters keep getting bigger and bigger, but it's like that's that's an insane time for two hundred yeah. miles, two hundred six miles. Also, this year was shorter. That at Unbound, okay. right? Because they cut they cut like six miles off because of, of all the flooding. Right, so that probably right, helped. Right. That probably if you take six miles off, because it was right at two hundred this year instead of two o six. So that sure. I mean that's. 20 minutes right there of yeah. time even yeah. at even at a fast pace so
2: yeah that that makes a difference the, i still think the the course conditions just the road surfaces are the biggest factor over and if there's a really random wind that's you know like no wind in the morning and then all of a sudden it's a headwind for the last 100 miles and you know that'll slow you down a ton or if it's the opposite then that makes it faster but like last year at unbound i think they dumped a, a, a ton of fresh rock on like most of the road, like just within a couple days before the race. Cause there weren't, there weren't like smooth tire tracks to follow at all for, for the vast majority of the course. It was just, wow. just, you know, wow. bumping over that Flint rock, just Ouch. spread all over the road <laughs> for like, I know like most e- of the day it was every, <laughs> every
1: year, like g- granted, like they're the road crews go out cause our race is in August. So road crews start to go out before like harvest to take care of the roads and stuff but like every year at gravel worlds they like plow first street which is like the first street that everybody goes out and they think they're like helping and making it smooth and nice and it's like no 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 like you're please, just, don't,
0: please don't please don't please don't do
1: it like do <laughs> just, not go out and like we just I actually wait. <laughs> just just wait a week please like don't Sunday take
2: morning <laughs>
1: like it's all packed it's hard it, even if it rains it's gonna be rolling like concrete and then they move all this pea gravel and sand out to the middle and it's like oh we got to spend send 2500 people across that <laughs> on 2 days great <laughs> but just they think they're helping, still... so we appreciate you. Thank you, but mm-hmm. don't do it, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
0: Do you have anything that you're looking forward to in the next year? Any big goals?
2: Mm, more of the same, really. I mean, the same goals that I've had for the last two years, which is to hopefully win one of these big gravel races. That's That's the uh, that's, that's the big goal. Number one,
0: it's a big goal. Last year yeah. you went to Cape Epic in Africa, right? Are you going back there again?
2: Yeah, No, I'm not. No, I, uh, that's one I'd consider doing again. Um, but again, that's a really hard technical mountain bike race. I mean, that was an epic adventure, but I don't really see myself ever really being competitive at the, the top level in an event like that. Um, so, so yeah, so I guess that's, Another goal is to sort of narrow my focus a little bit, um, because it's so hard to be good at all these different kinds of events. That like I'm, I've got a pretty solid engine and skill set for for the Midwest gravel races. So so that's what I'll I'll try to focus on for next year, for sure.
0: Good goals.
2: One thing that I've
1: really respected about you, and I've told you privately and publicly, is like. That you always defend the 99% on when issues come up in gravel and the purity of gravel and all that stuff. So like (laughs) all of that. The
2: purity of gravel.
1: That's (laughs) right. I love it. We need to get purity (laughs) rings.
0: take me back to my high school oh no, yeah, exactly. oh, no. come on jason
1: <laughs> unspoiled the do i re-say that or do we just,
0: <laughs> just keep going no
2: sorry
1: so like what i guess as like gravel gets bigger like what, what to you what's the most important thing to like keep the spirit of gravel quote-unquote the purity of gravel. Oh,
2: man, we just got to get those guys to stop attacking in the feed zones. That's definitely the biggest o- <laughs> obstacle. No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I don't, I don't Hashtag gravel condition. beef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if, like, people were just, like, a little less outspoken about things that make them mad in gravel. Just Which race. Is, like, it's like race if, and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, if somebody's doing something, it's not, like, it doesn't injure anybody. It's not against the rules. I mean. Yep okay the big deal i like it so i just wish people would just like have a little more fun and stop taking it so seriously i guess
1: (laughs) because that's why gravel was rad to begin with it was like not being taking it so seriously so yeah exactly i like it well before we leave sophia always has one more question
0: i sure do so what does the gravel family mean to you
2: Mm, that's a good question um you know, I think it just means the the community of gravel racers in, in Lincoln and in Nebraska across the country is um, just a, a a really supportive and fun loving, welcoming group of people. That's a, an awesome thing to be a part of. Um, I know they got my back, and I got I got theirs. I like it. It's a good
0: answer. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much, John. I have said it many times, but thank you for being a champion on and off the bike. We're so thankful you're a champion of our event. Two-time champion. Let's make it three. And um, yeah, we'll always be rooting for you here in Lincoln. And yeah, we're we're incredibly thankful for you and all you do for our sport. So thank you so much, John, for being on the podcast. Thanks, Jason. It was really fun chatting with you guys.
0: <laughs> I'm Sophia.
1: I'm Jason. And I'm John.
0: And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production.
1: Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com.